Hey already hackers, welcome to this week's podcast episode. This week we are keeping on with the trend of making practical episodes, but for once we are making a case study about ourselves because we've recently sold a site and it's kind of an interesting story because that site is a site that we started in one of our trainings, in one of our courses for authority hackers. So people have seen us register that domain for $10 and now we sold it for six figures and we'll tell you the entire story. But, but before we jump into the episode, I wanted to tell you that this week is a special week because it is a week where you can enroll into Authority Hacker Pro. It only happens about twice a year and you can find all the information on authorityhacker.com pro. Authority Hacker Pro is our most advanced training that includes pretty much all the training we do for Authority Hacker, including a bunch of brand new training we've added to Authority Hacker Pro in the last few months on sniping featured snippets, on using schema to get more CTR in subs, on training your writers and a bunch of other stuff. Additionally, we've added the opportunity inside our community for our members to buy and sell websites. And actually the site that we are going to be talking about in today's episode has been sold on our Facebook group. And there's a bunch of other case studies of people who sold their site on our Facebook group and people who bought some, etc on the Authority Hacker Pro page, so you can find all the new changes inside Authority Hacker Pro on authorityhacker.com slash pro, but just don't wait too long because this enrollment period is only going to be a few days, so a lot of people tend to miss it, so don't wait too much if you wanna check it out, authorityhacker.com slash pro, but for now, let's get started with the episode. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, and now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Atari Hacker Podcast. We are currently running a launch of Atari Hacker Pro. So if you want to check out our most advanced training with all our best courses and all our best tactics, go check it on AtariHacker.com slash pro. And today to actually celebrate this launch, what we're going to do is we're going to be talking about one of our recent stories that we haven't shared publicly of a site that we just sold actually. And we wanted to tell you the exact story, how it happened, what exactly we did, so that you guys can get a bit of an idea of what this cycle looks like in 2021. And for that, obviously we're going to be talking about this with Mark. And I'm not going to do what the hell is going on, Mark, but just how's it going, Mark? Uh, because that didn't work very well last time. I have two things for you this week. So it's starting to get really cold here. So I've got my uh, authority hacker fleece on. Uh, which is keeping me nice and cozy. And I also just noticed how you overemphasize the word are when you say we are doing this a lot. And now that I have thought about it, I can't get it out of my head. So, uh-huh. Okay, So, and that's what's going on. That's that's the main thing. Those are the two things which are going on this week, Fair yes. Enough. I have a heater because my fleece was not clean, so and I had to wear a notary hacker t-shirt. Therefore, I turned on the heating for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, so that's kind of like my way of dealing with it, but it's also pretty shit weather in Budapest, unfortunately. All right, so let's not talk about the weather because people have much better places to learn about the weather. What they want to hear about is the case study, and we won't be able to tell you the domain publicly, but we actually are going to be revealing it on our email list. So people who are on our email list, I will make an email that summarizes this after the launch, and I'm going to be revealing the domain there because the buyer agreed that we could do that. But what we can tell you on this podcast is this site is in the golf niche. And the interesting part about that site is actually it was a case study site for our beginners course, the authority site system. So there is footage of me recording that domain for $10.00. Uh, and now there's also the proof that it was sold for six figures. So it's kind of like it's been recorded from the first day to the last day 
you know, there, there is tangible proof. And a lot of people who follow the first version of the AutoHitSight system have seen me re register that domain because that's the domain that was used for that version. And every time we record that ver that course, and it's the third time we like we have recorded it three times so far, we make a new site. Uh, it's kind of like the opportunity to start a new site. So this one was the first version of that course. Let's be honest, we had no intention to grow it initially, so we're going to tell you the story of what actually happened. But anything you want to say about like the first, how it got started, etc.? It's just really interesting how we, we sort of fell into, into that. When we say we made a demo site, it was really us teaching you, you know, how, here's how to build it, here's how to put it all together, and then we just left it. We We didn't do anything with it. We didn't touch it for... Was it like a year and a half? I would say two years or easily, actually. In total, we had maybe 25, 30 articles on there. Uh, we'd ordered them all from Word Agents. We hadn't no, edited no, no. any of them. It wasn't ordered from Word Agents. The first version of TAS, we ordered it from TextBroker. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, God. Then it must have been very bad. <laughs> the funny part is because, you know, I was building the site pretty quickly and, you know, I haven't done the best job at like editing it or something. So I've like edited one, one or two on video. And then to be honest, I kind of had to do it to build a demo site. And it wasn't really like the point was to show how to edit an article, but like, because I just wanted to show a finished site at the end. Truth is, most articles on there I did not read actually uh, when we started it. <laughs> I just uh, I just posted them. I didn't do because it's like we had no intention to grow that site, right? Yeah. In the end, it's like I, w I might as well uh, have put lower Ipsum. I haven't because it's just I wanted to make sure that all the pages were relevant. But I wanted to do one or two pages properly. It's show fascinating. It. It's fascinating this, right? So we we did that. Uh, the, and the content was, let's be honest, not that great. No. We did no link building or no active link building anyway. And after a year and a half, there was just like an explosion of, or two years in, there was just like an explosion of traffic. And we started started getting several thousand visitors a month from it. That's kind of crazy. I tell you why. why? Uh, niche and keyword research. It was yeah. done properly. <laughs> it's yeah. like we actually picked like uh, we found like easier keywords and like we were quite smart on what we tackled, etc. And I think I think that's what paid off. Uh, I don't think the quality of the content was what paid off, and it wasn't the link building for sure because during that time, there was none. when you said explosion of traffic, I deserve, I don't I want to temper it a bit. The site was getting. 300 to 400 visits per day or something like it was i wouldn't call this an explosion of traffic but oh from there was from a good where base. it was before it was like, like you know double we digits. didn't sell it as 300 to 400 like before we touched it again it got to three to 400 visits per day uh, before we actually uh were like oh okay well, we should maybe look at this site basically and that's exactly what happened like one and a half two years later we're like huh like um and actually the reason why the reason why i picked up this site is because we hired a new person to, to work with us on seo I didn't want that person to work on bigger projects. I didn't want, like, I didn't want things to be messed up. So I was like, okay, what, what's the site that I can take that they can work on and polish their skills and, you know, get to learn how to work with writers and do all of that. And then uh, if they fuck it up, I don't care that much, to be honest. That's where this site came back. I was like, oh, I have this site, three, four hundred visits per day. Not really making much money. It was making like, when we started picked it up, it was making like two hundred bucks a month or something like something like that. Like there was some income, but it's nothing close to what people would expect when they start a website. It was just like some residual. You could see there was some life behind it, basically. And that's that's when when was that? I would say like it was end of twenty nineteen. 
No, it was before oh, yeah. that. 2018, before? I think. Yeah. 2018, okay. Well, time, you know, when you get old, you don't see the years pass. And uh, that's what happened. Yeah, that's what happened. And then, uh, and so we're like, okay, like, let's give that site to that person. Let's train them and see how it goes. Pretty much it. And then, so I would consult with that person, work with them, and then see how it goes. I did, uh, we did do the hiring for the main writer ourselves at that time, though. Uh, and we went that was a, that was a difference maker i i think yeah. at, at this stage because you can do everything right with your site but if you don't have if you don't have good content and if you don't have regular content like the, the quantity and the quality then you're you're not really getting anywhere and i think it was it was a big win i mean we didn't do anything like amazing to to hire them it was standard job hire on your jobs filtered through did a bunch of screening call interviews did a test job and we found a a professional golf instructor to create content for us and yeah she was she was fantastic yeah i think we got lucky in 2020 because there was the lockdowns and she couldn't like give classes obviously and she did output a lot of content for us during that time like that's that was i would say one of our biggest growths even though like obviously the world wasn't happening very much content was happening and uh and so it's cool because we had someone that had experience she i think she was semi-pro in the past as well she was like an instructor now but she was a semi-pro before and so like yeah we had someone that was doing pretty good content so definitely a step up from three star text broker i would say i'd say as well beyond her her skill set she was just seemed quite invested in the job and in the in in the brand in the company um like she would take on feedback and she was keen to improve and she she showed these things you know you get a lot of freelance writers who they just want to give you the words and never see you again or never see you again until it comes time to collect the check but she actually cared about improving so over time the, the content it, it got really really good i i spent quite a bit of time working with her at the beginning so i didn't pass on the site initial the, the site initially like i kind of like rebooted the site myself to start with. So I worked with her for like a month or something, like giving her feedback on a bunch of articles, trying to help her out, etc., to do better. And she picked it up quite nicely, to be honest. Uh, as I said, it was a good hire. And that's when I pretty much passed the site on when like the writer was was running. I had like, a, there was maybe a couple of weeks of keyword research done. And I think we were doing 30-ish article per month at that time. Like we kind of like started the content machine rolling uh, and what we did is, you know, there was the skeleton of the site from uh, Tess, right? Which was about 25, 30 pages, something like this. And uh, it, it was mostly golf clubs related keywords. And so we had kind of like the, the high level stuff. So we had like, you know, best golf drivers, best golf irons, that kind of stuff, et cetera. And we mostly expanded towards like longer tail keywords. So like best golf drivers for tall people, best golf drivers for low handicappers. It was not just best, by the way. It was also, I can't remember, but like there, there were some other adjectives that were a little bit, a little bit more niche, et cetera. So we just expanded on that and pretty much any keyword that had volume that would match that archetype and fit into the existing silos. We all added content and we didn't really expand the site structure for a long, long time, really for like until the almost the end, we didn't add any new branch to the website. We just expanded what we had. And I think that is one thing that is successful with us on sites recently is that we're pretty good at like building very complete hubs on what we do. If you saw the new sites, hopefully we do a podcast in a year or two on the sites we're working on right now, but it's very, very similar. The current TAS site, people who are in TAS, you can check it out. Same thing. We haven't added any hub since we started it. 
we have only expanded expanded the existing hub, and usually we rank better for the stuff we've written about already. So that's basically the, what um, happened. The last site we sold as well a couple years back it was, was one was hub. The same. <laughs> we, we only only ended up ever, ever building one hub in that. One out uh, of five. That yeah, was, that was enough. Yeah, yeah. So the site was literally uh, one hub of three hundred pages. And like four hubs of one page just to look yeah. like I'm a navigation. <laughs> yeah, but so it's working for us. Uh, and uh, I don't see us change that in the future, to be honest. And I think that's something people can pick up from this podcast is that. And I, by the way, if you join Atari Hacker Pro, I have a whole blueprint on site architecture and setting it up and everything. So I go in quite in depth into that and how it works and showing examples. Actually, this site that we sold is, is in the blueprint. I actually show it uh, because we still had it at the time and uh, I show it in pro actually. So people can check it out. Anyway, that's pretty much where we're at right now. We have that content engine running, but that new SEO person kind of like optimizing articles on Surfer, but also like monitoring rankings and testing the waters and like pushing the rankings, etc. And content was rolling, but but links were not rolling for a while, if I remember. Like, I remember there was some pressure from that person managing the SEO to the link, people doing link building for us because they struggled with link building at the beginning. Yeah, can you tell us what happened? Yeah, so I think golf is somewhat of a difficult niche to build links in. There's not that many golf sites out there to begin with. It doesn't have the same kind of... Uh, do you remember back in the day when we had that like health health site and just everyone has a health. Uh, yeah, yeah. Everyone has a health blog. Everyone wants to help each other out in the health health blog space. And uh, it was just like easy getting links. Well, it was kind of the opposite here. Like nobody wanted to help each other out. There wasn't that much of a sort of community thing. I think it was to be honest, there's a lot of like older people, and they were they're just not so friendly with each other in the space. So <laughs> is that what old people are like? Potentially, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, I, if you're I, I old and listening, like, we apologize. <laughs> that came out wrong, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm just asking so anyway, questions. We, we had some difficulties with getting links, and this was back when we weren't paying for any of the links. And surprise, Ooh. surprise, as soon as we started doing that, then it started to take off and, and become a lot easier. We did a few other things, though, at the same time, like in, in terms of like increasing the amount of outreach we were doing and getting a bit smarter with our templates. Because if you notice recently, everyone's sending the same templates out. Uh, and it's, you know, sometimes in a day, I will literally get four or five emails, which I think are from the same person, but it's different people sending the same templates out. And of course, it's difficult to stand out. And even if you are paying for links or, you know, even if you have, do have great content or are going to write a great guest post, it's very hard to stand out. So something I picked up from Bibi when she was on the podcast last year, I believe it was, is around standing out and using humor and puns in your email subject lines and in your in your actual emails them, themselves. So we're not amazing at it, but even just doing a little bit of that, our open rates, our response rates skyrocketed. And that's something which I, I would highly recommend other people do a lot of because it's one easy way to stand out. Nobody cares if you have great content, to be honest, when you're, anymore, you're deciding yeah. which of the 10 uh, outreach emails to open, if any. So you need to be doing something in your subject line really to, to be standing out. So we had oh, we had some like horrible dad jokes, like how many golfers does it take to change a light bulb? Four. <laughs> Spell F O R E. I don't understand and then, like, the joke. I don't play golf. Four, four is what you say in golf when you're like uh, hit it and uh, the ball's going the direction. You're just going to hit someone else. You say four, so they're like they're, they're like 
duck and cover or something. I don't know. Okay, um, great. <laughs> so it's it's a very common word in, in golf. So people people who play golf would, would get that joke. But saying that rather than um, please, can I build a can I buy a link or something is it works a lot better. Surprise, surprise. There's so a that, lot to unpack helped. here, by the way. Finish, but after that, there's a lot to unpack. Go ahead. So I mean that. I mean, do you want to talk about it, or because I'm going to talk about Haro next? Yeah, I mean, first of all, we about paying for links because people be like, "Oh, Terry Hiker paying for links, ha ha ha, we got you, da da, etc." So we have mentioned in past podcasts that we would be experimenting on some projects on buying links because I think. I mean, you just say it was difficult to build links and you started paying for it and it was less difficult, right? And uh, everybody else was doing it as well. Yeah. So I think we should make a whole podcast on just that topic eventually on like paying for links. I think it's important, but um, like it's something that we have done on a few projects. We haven't done it on Atari Hacker. You guys can go and check our link profile, etc. It's not done. But it's something that has been done on the other sites and that it's true. It's like, now that this kind of outreach is so widespread, your call, the quality of your content, nobody gives a shit anymore. Uh, let's just be clear. It's like when your inbox is full of pictures of people asking you for a link for their amazing content, it doesn't matter how well produced it is. Like nobody's going to link to you anymore. I think this reality is is fading away slowly. Maybe in some niches it's not, you know, like in, in non-IME niches or something, but for many, many, many niches, it's definitely the case. And I think just regardless of the idealistic vision of Google of the internet, this the reality today is that to be competitive on link building with this kind of outreach, you often are going to have to pay some money. Like, how much would you say we paid for links? Uh, I don't want to go too deep because I think we should make an episode on this. But like, how much would you say a link cost? Yeah, I mean, we're talking twenty to fifty dollars on average, depending on on the site. Tend not to be that much more because there's not that many really high authority sites which are which are selling links. So you know, this is, we're talking sort of dr thirty to fifty, sixty kind of range all, most most of the time. And uh, most sites that will consider giving you a link will now require that kind of money. And it's kind of the reality of a lot of niches these days. So if you want an episode on that, just let us know in the comments so that we know about that. But I don't want to spend the whole episode talking about paid links. But I think it was important to make a little parenthesis because it's like it's something that has been a big debate in the community. Yeah, so there's uh, another couple of strategies we, we tried as well. We did Harrow. But we didn't have much luck with that. And we set up our infrastructure for it really well. So we had our writer, who remembers a professional golf instructor, get all the Harrow emails. We would filter them by if they mentioned the word golf in them. So she would get those and she would res- respond to, to any of those queries. The problem is, or just problem was, there just were not many or hardly any good queries for it. There were some like golf club review ones where you had to like ship them a product or like do some weird stuff. But there's very, very few just general queries that she could she could respond to. So I think we got maybe one or two links in a year from doing yeah, that. Not, so it was, not it enough was to basically pointless. Yeah. 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 One other interesting thing we did, which had a small amount of success. I think we could have probably done more with it had we held on to the site for longer. But there's a site out there called top100golfcourses.com. And their entire site is a map with all the different golf courses in the US or I think in the world even. And it's broken down sort of by state and then they have pages, best golf courses in Arizona or New Mexico or wherever. 
And it's basically just a, a list, right? So we decided to recreate that, to build something very similar. I think it cost us maybe $1,000 for our developer to pull it all together. There's kind of off-the-shelf plugins and tools you can use to like do that that kind of stuff. And like, you can use a Google Maps API for part of it as well. Other than that, it was just data entry for collecting information about a bunch of golf clubs. And then once we had this, these lists, we started outreaching to those golf clubs and said, you know, hey, we feature You should you say here. golf course because if you say golf club, it looks like you're talking to an actual Oh, club, yeah. You know? I, yeah. <laughs> which that's, which uh, would be weird. Yeah. I'm talking about the, the courses, the venue where you go to play <laughs> golf in at the moment. That's a, it's a video for another day as well. I, you know, actually, uh, for Authority Hacker Pro, I just filmed a new course for your a writers. club. That, Oh, okay. Of no, course, <laughs> for your writers that you can you give to new writers who who you bring on, it teaches them all this stuff, and that that's the exact example I use about uh, like when I'm talking about search intent and and figuring things out. Because you you also in golf you have the Volkswagen Golf, which is a car, which also messes up a bunch of keyword terms, and then like golf club or golf clubs, like which what do you mean the, the actually you know you know uh, the first keyword research I did for that site I was also not I mean I'm still not that well versed in golf but like I've learned most as we worked on that site but you know I was doing research for irons so there was like you know six irons seven iron etc and in my keyword list I did put best curling iron as well. <laughs> <laughs> and I, did, and I, I can I can see why you would do that. Like it makes sense. You want to curl the yeah, ball. Yeah, you'd around, imagine right? it's like some you kind know? of like crazy yeah. trick shot, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, even when you said it there, I was like a curling iron. Like, which? What is that? When do you use that club? But, yep. Yeah. So okay. my in well, my first we, first document for that site, I actually did put that in there. Yeah. So yeah, good job. Well, if I if I ever change my hairstyle, I'll I'll have a look at that article. <laughs> so anyway, this map of of golf golf courses started outreaching to the golf courses and basically said hey we featured you here quite a few of them actually had awards pages where or badges displayed on their site so we even made a little badge that they could they could feature as well honestly the hit rate wasn't that great i think we outreached to 500 or so maybe we we got 10 links out of it or something which isn't bad right these are relevant links from from golf clubs and, and and whatnot but for the amount of money and time it took to do all that the results were weren't that impressive i think it would make sense if we had more i think because the the cost was building the tech for that but if we had like ten thousand courses then if, and ten thousand outreach then the cost per link would be acceptable but just if you stop at 500 then you kind of swallow the entire tech cost without maximizing the return on the outreach i think yeah so that this was just one of the things we were experimenting with to see if there was another way we could build build links really that was really our strategy we didn't have much success with that we didn't have much success with harrow all of it came from outreach-based link building, a standard guest post outreach, Skyscraper. And the best one was reverse engineering competitors' links profile. So we just found every golf website out there, exported all the links they had in Ahrefs, filtered it, uh, and kind of used that as prospect prospecting lists. And we would track new links that these sites were acquiring as well and go after them too to, to uh, top things up. So the basics, basically, it's like you try you try yeah. to be fancy on some stuff, but the basics we did. kind of paid yeah. off the most. Yeah, it's just it's, it's like this is what we teach in the course as well. Yeah, like, yeah, don't yeah. try all these fancy, crazy stuff. Like, don't do what we do. Do what but we, we say. have to try to uh, like tell that to people, you know? 
Exactly. It's, exactly. It's like we often do things we tell people not to do, but that's to make sure that people shouldn't do them. You know? <laughs> and uh, you know what I mean? And uh, no. it's like I do that quite often, like on tech setup, etc. Like I have multiple different setup for sites and, and then eventually I'll take the best one and that's what I put in course. So yeah, it's kind of our job. Anything else on Inbuilding? No, no, that's it. Okay, so the site was a few years old, which meant that when we started, I want to talk about monetization, but when we started it, Amazon commissions were much better than they are today, right? And so the initial strategy was just like, well, Amazon Associates, we're done, especially because it was meant to be a site that emulates what a newbie would do as their first site. Amazon was still a pretty good place to start. Like, and I'm sure if you can have the rates of a few years ago, a lot of people would start Amazon sites still and go crazy. And so that was kind of our main strategy. But I think the main difficulty with selling golf clubs, in this case, actual clubs. There's multiple ones. First of all, there's the stocks, which a lot of clubs will go out of stock on Amazon. Like we would end up ranking and having clubs in our top 10 and they would just go out of stock and we'd not make that much money. The second thing as well is that the secondhand market in the golf club in the golf clubs industry is very big. Like people still buy clubs from 2017, from 2016, etc. And every year in January, there's basically a new collection coming out from like TaylorMade and uh, all these guys to release that. But the vintage ones still have value and people still search for them, etc. But maybe a site like Amazon will not sell them. So we had to kind of like start looking for alternatives for buying the clubs. And you got to accept that there will be a decent amount of links that point to out-of-stock products, regardless of the option you're picking here. But we did start working with a site called Global Golf. And it was cool because most small e-commerce stores tend to be focused on one country and then the rest, it doesn't do so well. But like Global Golf actually after I think $60 or something, if you ordered for more than that, you had free global shipping. So that allowed people to do that. And they also had secondhand clubs. So it allowed us to, you know, when we had like, Let's say we we made a new article in November on like best drivers for seniors, let's say. And we recommend like a tailor-made club from 2019. And then it's like 2020, the new one comes out and like Amazon doesn't have the 2019 version in stock anymore. You don't really want to rewrite your whole article every time this happens because it happened very often. Well, Global Golf often had stock that allowed us to like kind of like switch to that, etc., which was quite nice. And they also had a permanent sales section that we promoted. So basically every day it would rotate, every 24 hours they would have like some new clubs in sell. And so one thing that we did that actually nobody else was doing in the industry before we did it, and now everyone does it because they copied us, is the exit intent pop-up promoting the sales section of that site. So because it was refreshing every 24 hours, the clubs that were in there, we had that kind of like pop-up that would pop up on exit and I would say, these clubs are on sale uh, only today. Click here to check out the offers and it would link to that section that refreshes all the time. But we would have it as an exit intent pop-up, even on articles that would promote Amazon because you cannot put Amazon on pop-ups. And that pop-up was a pretty good money generator, actually. Like that angle worked really well in terms of uh, affiliate revenue for that site. And so, so much so that uh, most golf sites that now rank have copied it and have some kind of version of that uh, because it, it's an extra revenue. It didn't cut the revenue from like the random previews or even any other content, but it added some extra revenue on top. So we did that with, that was our Amazon play, our affiliate play, sorry, Amazon plus Global Golf. And then when the site got enough traffic, we got it into AdSrive as well. And actually the payout on AdSrive was 
really quite high. It was like thirty to forty dollars per thousand visitors. I think with golf, it's uh, it's, it's maybe a bit higher because it tends to be like an aff- affluent, like a rich person sport. Like a lot of yeah. these golf clubs, golf courses are are very expensive to become members of, and I just the type of ads that people target towards those people tend to be, I guess, higher RPM or whatever. So. Yeah. So overall, monetization was pretty good on that site. I mean, you know, golf clubs are expensive, but conversion rate would be pretty low on the traffic. Like, you know, most a lot of people who have like an Amazon site on like very popular consumer items would get six, seven percent conversion rate. We were happy with like two, three percent on this because they were just more expensive and very often people don't buy. They click to check, but they don't buy, or like they buy after the cookie expired, that kind of stuff. So the conversion rate was low, but yeah, selling a golf club. I'd, I'd also would, say say for that, like a, a lot of people like to actually hold the golf club, so maybe yeah. they they would go down to the store and you know try it out there and buy it somewhere else. So twenty four hour cookie with with Amazon, you know, maybe lost a lot a lot there. And that's why Global Golf was quite good as well. I think they had 30 day and they had a return, a pretty good return policy as well. So that, that kind of helped us bridge the gap with Amazon and kind of mixing both of them. Now, it wasn't perfect, but it was okay together mixed with ads. Like the revenue was pretty, I mean, it was seasonal, right? Golf is like, you know, people play golf and then they don't play golf in the winter. So there was like three, four months in a year that would be shit. And then the rest of the year was pretty good. I, I would say in terms of the, the, the trend, like it builds up towards the summer and the summer is great. But also Black Friday and Christmas were very good months as, as well. I think a lot of people buy gifts yeah. or, or whatever at that time of year as well. Yeah, but overall that was the monetization for that site. And I think it was decent, but there was definitely some seasonality to it, which, you know, seasonal sites, they're, they're okay to me, but it adds pressure. Because if you have, let's say, an SEO issue during your high season, it can fuck your whole year. And it's kind of like, um, whereas if you have like a more evergreen niche that people search for the whole year, then any issue kind of like flattens out over the year, but it can be demultiplied when you're having issues in your worst months. We didn't have that, fortunately, but it's something to consider. Like I talk a lot about monetization in tests as well, which is including the HPro. We're in the HPro podcast, so I'm going to go with that. But yeah, so there is an extra degree of risk with seasonal niches, even though for this site, we didn't really have any issue. It's something to think about. Anything else you want to sell monetization? Because really, that's it. That's how we made money with that site. I was having a look at some of the other sites and golf tourism, uh, like golf travel holiday organization, like that kind of thing seems to be a a big, or a lot of people are, are pushing it. I guess there's very high margins and probably high commissions and, and that stuff. It's not something we we played around with. As the site kind of got towards its peak, was in the middle of COVID, so no one was traveling, yeah. and you know, Travel it wasn't, worth wasn't us an option. Investigating that side of things, but were we to, you know, still have it, it's probably something we'd be thinking about at the moment. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think the problem is the travel. Travel for golf is that you are you have travel sites ranking, like Expedia is going to show up, and like Booking.com is going to show up, etc. It's like. You know, like the big golf sites are not that big. The big travel sites are fucking big. So it changes the anatomy of the subs a lot. And, you know, Google Flights is going to start popping up and stuff like that on these subs. Like it's it's a little tricky. So it depends. I would definitely have maximized what we were doing so far. And actually towards that period of time when we were uh, towards the end of the site, we did expand on like other golf items. So like, you know, these um, 
uh, swing analyzers and all these things. Like all these items are pretty expensive. And that was the good thing with uh, with that is like even if you sell on Amazon, like because clubs are quite expensive, it wasn't uncommon to make like thirty five bucks for a sell on a club or something like that as a commission. So even with low Amazon commissions, like even with low conversion rate as well, the, the payout was pretty decent because of the value of the items combined with the pretty okay search volumes. Like it's not the biggest niche ever, but if you combine that with the value of the items, it's it's pretty decent actually. And also also just ad traffic, even on the reviews was did really it well. It was great, yeah. Too. Yeah, uh, ads were great on this. It was paying really well, actually. I guess now we're getting to the point on us deciding to sell that site, right? So why the hell did we sell it if it was so great? Hmm? I guess the reason we sell any any site, it's other opportunities seem more interesting or financially rewarding. We'd had that site for, what was it, like five years in total? Um, Four, I think. We were working on it. We weren't working on it all the time, but... Just, just it felt like it was kind of getting to the end of its shelf life. In our, it wasn't wasn't that interesting to work on anymore. You know, we'd done everything we kind of could with it at that point. And uh, how much money was like, it making? Like we took it from like two hundred bucks a month, so we kind of started working on it. It was making how much? So when we sold it, it was mid four figures per month. So uh-huh. you know, solid. Like you know, you could live off of that. Yeah, it's basically, and that's exactly what. The goal, like a lot of people were like, ah, mid four figures, not super great, etc. And the thing is like the scope of the authority side system is achieving that. It's achieving this job replacement income. So I'd say probably these days like three to six K, something like this, you know, with people making, you know, low five figures quite, it happens too, but like, and that's kind of like the, the scope of that. It's like start with that, but also maybe having some potential to expand beyond that. And I think for me, the point of working on that side was also just to prove that this authority system is still working and that if probably we didn't invest like crazy resources in this, right? We just had like that one freelance writer and we had uh, that person managing this on the side, basically. Like similar to a test student, you know? Because maybe we had a bit of an ego about it. Like when it started making a thousand dollars, we were like, oh, well, we better like actually like take this where it should go before we sell it so we can make a a story out of it. So that that was a motivating factor as well. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was a point of like, look, it's like, I'll show you that this works and then just take a random side. Uh, okay, it was a little bit aged because I didn't touch it for a while. And, um, but like, it was making 200 bucks a month, getting two, 300 visits per month. So, you know, it's kind of like this phase one of your site. So that, that was done pretty much. But I did it too, basically. It's just that we didn't touch it for a while. And then be like, okay, like, let's put the amount of resources a test student would put in there and see if this stuff still works. And, and as far as I'm concerned, it still works. And, and after that, we, yeah, it's like this golf niche. I mean, I think you can make like mid five figures per month, something like this. You, I don't think you can go like much beyond that. I don't know how many people are making six figure per month as like uh, affiliates in this niche. And I think some other projects we had like could now benefit from that person that took that site from 200 to, to mid four figures per month. So I was like, well, we should work on some other stuff that's more lucrative for us. Now and I think that's why we wanted to get rid of it to free the resources. There's also the the fear of loss as well. Uh, like yeah, we, we got burnt, we got burned for four or five years ago when we that health health ambition yeah. earlier. Health ambition, yeah. We were just about to sell it and then it got hit in the medic update, so we we didn't sell it and then yeah lost like most of its traffic. So yeah, but this lost one that wasn't one a few hundred thousand dollars on on that one for sure, and just. That experience, I think, has has made us uh, a little bit more 
Like, okay, you know, like there is, it doesn't always just go up, right? There's a, a risk to it. To be fair, house emission were like runtime one place. Like I, I challenge you to find like a site of our size at the time that has recovered. <laughs> like literally yeah. nobody, like everyone got hammered in this specific seven niche. So it's like, well, runtime, wrong place. It happens a few times in your life. And that's basically it. But I think we could have pushed that site further. It's doing well right now, by the way. According to Ahrefs, it's like doubled since we sold it, so... Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I just wanted to prove the point of TAS and then I wanted to work on some other stuff. I'm pretty excited on the stuff we're working on right now and the stuff we're achieving right now. So no regrets personally. Let's talk about how it, like not just the decision of selling, but like how the sell went and how we did that and what happened basically. Yeah. So in the past, when we've sold websites, we've always gone to a broker. And while they help you guide you through the, the, the process and all that, the main value they're, they're bringing to the table is that they have buyers lined up and they, they can sort of like connect you and hopefully do the deal. Well, we have a community of people of thousands of, of online marketers. So we thought, you know, maybe we'll use a broker, but why not just advertise it in the community and see if someone wants to buy it? So we did that and, and we found, found a buyer like right away, basically. So we saved what 10, 15% fees on that yeah, and yeah. a lot, lot of hassle. We, we got it done, done quicker as well. Our experience from selling sites previously uh, obviously helped. So we prepared a profit and loss statements, screenshots, you know, of all the affiliate and ads incomes and us receiving the payments for all that. So like we, we really had everything covered in, in a lot of detail. We built a timeline of everything we'd done to the site, all the contact details for everyone who'd ever worked on it. Like the guy who built the the maps thing, the, the developer there, the writer, obviously everyone else. I just really had all the information in one place. So it would be very easy for a buyer to sort of take it over. And then, yeah, we just advertised it in our, our community and uh, included a few screenshots and, and whatnot. And uh, maybe like 10 or 15 people uh, ended up messaging me. Had a few conversations with them. A few went nowhere. Uh, there was, I think, four people seriously interested. I think we had three offers in the end. And uh, we ended up taking the one, which wasn't actually the highest offer, but it was the best in terms of uh, the deal for us. So they will allow us to talk about the domain uh, on our, our email list, our webinars and stuff. And they will you know, allow us to you know, anonymously um, talk, talk about the site, talk about the sale, that kind of thing as well which is beneficial to us, right? So that's that's kind of why we went went down that route. Now, of course, we're dealing with hundreds of thousands of dollars here and someone we've met yeah. maybe once once before. So, you know, of course, both parties still used escrow.com to to be careful. So there's there's some fees there. But uh other than that, I think it worked out worked out really well for for both parties and we got the whole pro whole process done from start to finish including the handover in less than a month like that's from the point of oh let's let's sell it to receiving the money and all that so it was it was pretty fast i would say by by sales standards at least yeah uh, so yeah. but i think one thing to highlight is that actually we're not the only ones selling sites on Nate Pro actually like uh now we actually opened that up so people can post their site we don't take any responsibility on Toy Hacker Pro like if you know it's if you guys argue with each other we're not going to stand in between and uh, mediate that but like uh there are actually like regular sales of websites now and uh I think a lot of people are just like it's it's kind of nice because Obviously, like you guys see it, you can go on Toyhacker.com slash pro. It's not super cheap to join a Toyhacker Pro, but what it does is it 
it curates the community from uh, scammers and people who would be uh, not serious, etc. Tire so, kickers, yeah. And so that allows these kind of transactions to happen. With a, I haven't heard of anything going wrong with any of the transactions so far. So I guess now it's kind of a benefit of joining Atari Hacker Pro. So people who would want to like see sites sold by our members that probably you wouldn't find anywhere else, then uh, I would check out our group. I, I think the bigger sites will still go through a broker. And, and we're not saying brokers are useless or anything like that. I'm just saying for like small, medium transactions, like it, they do happen, happen quite regularly on the group. And it's kind of cool to see that and to see that it's going well so far. So yeah, if you, another reason I probably didn't highlight that, uh, I'll probably make an email about that uh, on the launch, actually. I think it kind of makes sense. Anything else we want to cover on everything? Yeah, just looking back at that experience, if if we had to do it all over again, what would you do differently? I think the interesting part was where we picked up the site when we started working on it again. The fact that it was a few years old and like kind of like sitting here, etc., Basically, like it, it didn't have this sandbox, and that kind of helped. When I mean, because it kind of had gone through it already, and uh, I li- I really like the idea of aging domains yourself. So you don't have to buy drop domains; you can just buy a ten dollar domain, buy a dozen articles, and then just let it sit here. And then whenever you want to pick up a project, you have this bank of domain. Like you have five, six, seven domains. It's like per domain, what is it going to cost you? Like hosting. You know, you can get it pretty cheap. Let's say you, you buy like the, the second cheapest server on Cloudways or something, it's still decent. And you can put a dozen sites on it. So it's going to be like maybe 150 bucks and then like per year. And then after that, you want some content, let's say 10 articles that cost each like 50 bucks or something. So it's 500. Or, or cheaper if you're using AI content. Yeah, get, or you use done, AI so. content actually. Yeah, AI content. It's a good, so, good use of it. So, and just let them sit for a few like months slash year. Maybe build a few links to it as well. I would say like build two, three guest posts. Like don't go crazy, but like a couple links here and there and just lay the age. Yeah, it's like picking like, picking this site up from there it was nice to fill the fill what we were doing on it take effect really quickly you know so that's one thing that uh, i would do you can of course buy a a drop domain or uh, an expired domain or or just a a site that someone's selling that you know it's not making much money it's just this aged but it's really hard to find a good brand that like kind of fits the the keyword you want or the the niche you want very very well and they just tend not to be built like the way you want them so that's yeah the so you can time. age your own domains and it will have mostly the same effect i believe and it's going to be clean you just won't have all these old links i guess but it's not that bad another thing that is interesting is like if you check that site now it ranks for like the biggest golf club terms like it ranks for like best golf clubs it ranks for best tyrants it ranks for like the biggest stuff. And I think the way we built it was quite smart on like expanding these hubs with the very long tail stuff first and kind of regressing back to the biggest keywords while having a very, very logical internal linking structure. I would do that again as well. I think that was good. And I think that's a good case study on like how you end up ranking for the biggest affiliate terms in an industry by starting and starting with the really the smallest ones and regressing back. And our link building was to these hot pages that became the short tail keywords pages but i think i think that is definitely that was a cool a cool way to re-experience that re-experience that on a few other sites but like to like confirm that and it's a it's very clear how it works on this website uh, so i'm pretty happy with that i think don't start with a text broker 
I think that's that, that would be something basically that I wouldn't do. We are experimenting with new ways to create contents. I would expect new blueprints on that in the next few months, I would say. Like we still want to experience more, but like there's some pretty exciting stuff that's coming around this AI content and all of that that we'll talk about eventually. It's not ready for this launch, so I'm not gonna go too deep on that. But I would play more with that. And um yeah, not not much else really. I think uh, I think this site was like pretty clean. And uh, pretty, it was nice and clean. No, no drama, no, no ups and downs, etc. It was all up all the way, you know. We didn't get affected by any core updates, anything like that. So let's do it again, you know, a few more times. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think we're gonna wrap it up. So if you guys want to learn how to build such site, we're actually running a current case study right now that you can find in the authority side system. So you either can join the authority side system or you can join Authority Hacker Pro, which is available for a limited time where you not only get that, but you also get all our advanced tactics and you actually see us work on the site we talked about in this episode. And you get all of that if you join Authority Hacker Pro today. So authorityhacker.com slash pro. It's a limited time launch. We will close it and will not be back for several months. So please don't miss it because we always get messages on the support for that. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can still like it and comment and everything, even if there's an HPO launch. And we hope you have a good day and see you in two weeks. Bye.